Hi, hello, greetings, and welcome. It is time for episode 20. It is time for Cosmic Crit. My name is Ty, and I am the voice of Edris Varanus, your seven foot two armored lizard with teeth. And I'm pretty excited to introduce episode 20. It is my first intro for 2018, and I love the episodes that fall on the tens. Episode 10 was a huge deal to me. I feel like episode 20 is huge, and we have so many cool things to announce for this episode. So let's get right into it. This podcast is my, it's my first podcast, and this is really my first internet creation or thing that I've put out for anybody to consume and enjoy, and the support and love we've been getting from listeners is really cool, and getting to read people's reactions and thoughts about the show, it's been touching, and you guys all, I just cannot thank any everybody enough for, for caring about this show, for helping it become what it is becoming. Uh, we are all creating this little story together, and to that end, we have another fan challenge. And this this month, it is uh, create your own Skittermanderer. So hop on to Twitter, open your email, get on Facebook, and we want you to make a Skittermanderer. So if you listen to our holiday episode, which you absolutely should, dice hard, uh, you'll probably know all about Skittermanderer generation. So you've already got a leg up because that's what you're going to be doing. We need a first name, a last name, a color, and quirk. Go ahead and enter it. Winners will get Starfinder PDFs and help us populate the universe with some wonderfully colorful, mischievous Skittermanderers. Help us uh, create Skittermanderers such as Chammy Suckerg, a pink, a flamingo pink Skittermanderer who is a Skittermander elder and owns a fake beard. And uh, we will add them. We've created a Skittermanderer generator and we will... Not only will you help populate our universe, but you will help populate our generator. And that will be something that we will put out towards the internet world and uh, will be a forever resource to create these cute, lovable mascots of uh, Starfinder. Second thing on our little list is that we do have a crit bit after, at the end of this episode. It is Dan Peck. He is a writing assistant for Family Guy and a Starfinder GM. So we get to pick his brain and his awesomeness so stay tuned for that. It is pretty fun to listen in on. And that's all I've got for you. So please, if you're driving in your car, relax. If you're at home, get ready. Get tuned in. Because episode 20 starts now. And it is Brain, Brain New World. Last time on Cosmic Crits. We renamed our ship the Drift Rider. We are all celebrities now. Andis has a new picture for their room. Are we going to learn some information from Andis 146? Alendra is told in confidence that her constellation tattoo may be related to an ancient language, and then she wakes up with three more constellation tattoos. Looks like we're headed to Castrovel, Alendra's old stomping grounds, to investigate that strange language. Mysterious robed figures with Clara 247. Two goblins hired to put the crew together. And Gilcrest breathes his last words to some black magic. This episode's got everything! Darius Gilcrest must die again! <laughs> Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. 
Take Galerion, take my memories. You can't take the drift from me. Time's run out, pass the gap. Tell them I ain't forgetting that. Well, you can target EAC while shooting me, but you can't take my personal upgrade from me. Good evening, browncoats and blue hands. This is your Captain Maltrick here, and we're about to ride off into the black. Patrick, Patrick, I'm sorry. This intro has been canceled early. To my left, a professional companion who's renting room in the escape pod bay, Drew, playing Mac Sizrak. <laughs> Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. To his left, a deft mechanic with a love of parasols and strawberries, Jabert, playing Andis 147. Hi, Patrick. And across the digital table for me is a hotshot pilot with a love of desk dinosaur tchotchkes, Miles, representing a Raimi. Good evening. To his left, a powerful psychic who can kill you with her brain, Rebecca, playing Alindra Vallis. Shiny. And to my right, let me tell you the ballad of a best named Adros. Tyler, playing Adros for honest. I robbed from the rich and I gave to the poor. <laughs> Stood up to the man and he gave him what for. All right, finally, another <laughs> another intro reference everyone gets. <laughs> Throwing out some of these sci-fi references. Well, I mean, unless you've seen the entire Goram show, I mean, you're not going to get it. I say Goram all the time. I do, too. It's, it has entered my general uh, vernacular for uh, the last I mean, 15 years. For, for, is that from yeah. Firefly? It yeah. is. Oh. For for you know, people that love making up made up curse words. That's not a made up curse word though. I know, but it's it's still it's like you know it's kind of not English. English. Maybe? Hey guys, it's 2018. Yay! Oh, Happy New Year! This is our New Year's episode in the New Year. One thing we do get to talk about from our from our New Year's fun is the three winners for our favorite beverages from uh, our Cosmic Crit uh, Fan Submission Challenge. I'm going to ask our two <laughs> uh, cocktail maestros, Andis and Ramey, Jibbert and Miles, who, who are our three winners? Yeah, first I just want to say thank you to everybody for retweeting that and uh, tweeting out those uh, cocktail ideas. I could see, I could tell that a lot of you guys put a lot of like thought into that, and that was really, really cool and exciting. You guys um, are are luscious. You love to drink because <laughs> some of these some of these recipes were insane. What what are our, our three favorite? So cocktails? I. I this one I wasn't able to try, but I have to give some credit to Phoenix Havoc for the Necrovite gentleman because it sounds <laughs> amazing, but to actually make it would require about 90 to 100 dollars for the base ingredients alone. And I could not afford that and buy Christmas presents for everybody. Um, <laughs> so that one, uh, based off my knowledge of alcohols, uh, sounded fantastic, but I, I I couldn't actually afford to to make it, uh, mm-hmm. but because I am a huge fan of absinthe, I could not a- uh, have that one in in the running. Gotcha. As far as one that uh, was tasty, and it's it's it was one of the more simple uh, recipes, but uh, it, it it used something that I'm a big fan of. This one uh, is from uh, Specs or at uh, Spectacles uh, underscore yeah. AK on Twitter. Uh, the Salarian Sugar Rush which was one part orange juice, one part pineapple rum, and then one part either uh, marshmallow whipped cream or vanilla vodka. I use whipped cream because I'm a massive fan of whipped cream vodka. And a splash of grenadine over ice. Oh, that's and great. it's, 
I mean, if you like sugary uh, drinks, I wouldn't recommend having too many of them because that much sugar with your with your drinking can can give lead you to, the beatus. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time. Makes you want to uh, rush into someone. And give yes, them, give <laughs> a, it, it give is a hard it shoulder. <laughs> a very very tasty beverage. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, I just made the connection of Stellar Rush and Sugar right. Rush. Stellar oh, Sugar Rush. Yeah. yeah. Just getting it. It's good. Uh, um, Jim, what about you? I've got to give this last one to. Owl Manat um, mm-hmm. for the Starquake. Mm-hmm. Uh, quarter ounce simple syrup, quarter ounce cre- uh, creme de violet, which I don't have, so I just had to work around that. <laughs> quarter ounce of uh, blue curacao, quarter ounce maraschino liqueur, and two ounces of gin. Stir and, uh, stir and serve in a chilled cocktail glass garnished with two Luxardo Graviton Motes, which are, which is just some. Uh, um, some dark cocktail cherries, and it had a really cool look and effect, and real delicious. And I love mm. me some gin. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and gin, like, oh, dude, you know me. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. do like a gin cocktail. That's awesome. I, I was very surprised at uh, how easily Starfinder themes translate into drink format. So, mm-hmm. yeah, now we have to open up a bar. Yeah, we, a, a lot of Solarian, a lot of Solarian themed uh, cocktails that we got over here. Well, you got light side, you got the dark side there. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of things to play around with. These were the. I don't think I had a bad drink out of any of them you want to say what's in the necrovite gentlemen yeah um i would love to uh it's one dash of uh absinthe blanc uh one ounce of black blended overproof rum one ounce of appleton estate reserve one ounce of john d taylor's velvet valerium uh one half uh one half ounce of cinnamon syrup one half ounce of fresh lime juice and one half uh fresh grapefruit juice that sounds like it would raise you from the dead. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it sounds like it's a super interesting drink, but like all those liquors, especially the absinthe, not exactly super cheap. Yeah. And can I get can I just give a, one last shout out to uh, Phoenix Havoc for uh, the skitter, which is like the one of these cocktails that I can actually drink right now. So let me give you the recipe <laughs> real quick. It's uh, Coke with rum. Uh, hold the rum, lots of sugar, and then get paid in hugs. <laughs> it's an easy recipe. It's very, it's very good, and I can drink it right now. Are you guys ready to play some some Starfinder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah man. It's been What's too long. No. Been too long. <laughs> All right. So uh, last time you guys were given a mission from Chiskusk, uh, your Starfinder liaison, to investigate this weird alien language that you found on the Drift Rock by traveling to Castravel. And what else happened? We're hunting down the works of, um, he was a, an old Starfinder, but uh, who wrote the notes on this. But mm. I can't remember what is Zahn. How Queen Zahn, not technically a Starfinder, but yeah, his, his notes got into the Starfinder archives. That's it. And yeah, Lindra, you're rocking some new tats, right? How you liking yeah, them? How I you liking them new tats? Smelling like liquor and with, a whole bunch of new tattoos. So yeah. I have been there. <laughs> we all had a we all had a rough New Year's. <laughs> as, as one of the, as one of the two people on the podcast with tattoos, I can I can safely say I've been there. <laughs> Miles confirmed, cool guy. All back. Um, I don't know about that. It's like a full right. alchemist tattoo. <laughs> so cool, so cool. Uh, leaving Absalom Station, you guys get on board the Drift Rider and. Or getting ready to get to Castravel. You guys will pack up. You got, you know, went shopping, bought some new things. We got some some cool items on you 
you guys now. It uh, takes an hour or so to warm up the the drive and, and the and the the drift rider before you guys take it out of Absalom Station. And after you get outside range of the station itself, the you know like a bubble forms around the outside of the ship, kind of like a hyperspace bubble, and you instantly go from normal space where you see you know stars in the distance and you got sunlight beaming in to this odd universe of massive large distant gas clouds of electric purple and green and they're they're shifting they're moving with a mind of their own and these stellar bodies you know some of them seem like the size of universes they're all far away churning and a, a deep gyre over millennia while other clouds they look to be like campfires smoke blowing right in front of your ship and you can kind of like push through them and while your ship is at the this hyper speed drift traveling the the closer stellar bodies between them you can see this darkness these large pockets of just nothing in between the the stellar gas uh you've got some downtime ahead of you and i need someone to roll up it takes 1d6 days to travel from absalom station to <laughs> to Castravel. Oh, I've already got a D6 rolled here. Uh, Jabert, what do you roll? I rolled a five, so we got uh, lots of downtime. Good, solid work week of travel. Uh, what, what are your characters doing the downtime on, on the ship? I can imagine Raimi is probably goofing around in the holodeck. <laughs> I think everyone wants to do that, so you might have to, you might have to schedule time. <laughs> <laughs> have a sign-in sheet. Yeah. yeah. You got five days. What what do you think uh, Miles Raimi would be doing in there? Um, I think uh, as someone who's kind of been uh, mired in his worries, he's probably going to uh, try to program some sort of like uh, fantasy type kind of adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe based off of like comic books that he likes right, uh, right. as a kid trying to do something kind of fun and carefree cool cool what, what about the, the rest of you guys Mac is going to continue to be looking over the footage not necessarily uh, of the footage that uh, Rabob shot that was put out mm-hmm. on the infosphere not necessarily of the footage itself but all of the places that that footage might have ended up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean it was you know wide cast over Absalom station channels and that's like one of the main planets in the the solar system, so most anyone can kind of find it online if they're looking for. Yeah, he's he's looking at conversations and in mm. dark in dark sphere traffic and and trying to see who's who's saying what about what names and what people. So unfortunately, once you get into the drift, you you are cut off from the infosphere, kind of like the internet in Starfinder. Can't look over the footage if you like download it ahead of time. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, he's just going to sulk. <laughs> <I'm worried. laughs> Five days of sulking. Got it down for now. <laughs> uh, what about uh, what about Adros? I mean, Adros would probably read through the the book that Alindra found for him. Oh, it's a page turner. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's kind of, when he showed up at Absalom Station, he arrived to some fanfare, which is kind of new to him. I don't know, maybe this thinking, you know, maybe he can learn something from uh, the main character in this story. And uh, other than that, he's probably doing a lot of um, work in the gym, just uh, staying, Aww, in, yeah. staying in shape. So Get, reading. Getting swole, son. Yeah, he lifts, bro. Yeah, and um, I don't know, he'd probably ask Alindra if she wanted to, like, spar just to, you know, stay active and 
stave off boredom or something like that. Oh, snap. Training montage. Yeah, oh, yeah. Why Five not? days is a long time, guys. <laughs> it's just the seven of you. Yeah, speaking of Alindra, so she'll certainly spar a bit with the dross, but uh, Alindra's really preoccupied with the fact that she has all these brand new tattoos and she doesn't know where they came from. So I have a couple of things I want to do. Oh, I can um, answer that question. Uh, a tattoo yeah. artist. <laughs> <sighs> that's, the qu- that's the answer I gave to Noor when he asked where the tattoos came from. Was yeah, like, you well, want like the tattoo parlor? <laughs> what goes around comes around. <laughs> so, well, I wanted to know if there was anything I could do to attempt to recall what happened that night before or like during me getting tattoos. Nothing I can do. Well, why don't you, why don't you make a wisdom uh, check? Just like a base oh, wisdom. Yeah. I, I was like, that <laughs> or intelligence. Mean, <laughs> Result. Okay. So you rolled a five, a negative one. So. Yeah, you're not you're not sure. Uh, it it uh, were, were you drunk the first time you got a tattoo? I don't think so. Mm. Well, this definitely doesn't seem like you. Um, but yeah, you just you woke up in kind of a, a funk, and and you had uh, these three new constellations on on your arm, and now that's in kind of like a loose circle. All these points on, right. on your tattoo, but uh, um, you do so you I- do remember that. Your Solarian liaison through the Starfinders in our crit bit uh, section looked at your tattoo and mentioned that it did seem incomplete at the time. That's true. Hmm. Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to do because Alendra, I mean, as far as she knows, this is a constellation she found in the skies of Castrovel as a child and got tattooed on her arm, but maybe she's wrong about that. So um, I think she would be scouring the um, star map that she has with her. She has a leather bound Hmm. star map um, that has star maps from all different vantage points throughout the galaxy, Castrovel included. And I would think that she would be looking for this constellation to verify whether she saw it in the sky ever. Okay, so for that, why don't you go ahead and give me a physical science check. A little bit better than my wisdom. You've rolled a three. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a total of ten. You don't find anything in in, in your books. Yeah, it. it uh, I mean, the, these uh, little triangle constellations are just three points. So, I mean, that could be almost anywhere in the cosmos. You usually need a few more points of reference before you can kind of nail something down. Yeah, you come up, unfortunately, without many answers. Let's. Let's let's switch gears and get to Andis one four seven. Hey, um, hey, Jabert. Hey, so Andis is going to doing a couple of things. Primarily, Andis is going to be sort of sort of looking for fastidiously checking all the systems on the ship and checking and rechecking and just sort of doing any any maintenance that needs to be done. Mm. Um, and you have two goblin assistants. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of that. trying to show them some of these systems a little bit. I'm hoping to, you know, you know, make sure that they understand how the weapon systems work, so that if mm-hmm. we can, if we end up getting into a another encounter, we can kind of trust them to get on a gun. Yeah, get on a gun. Yeah. Is there any is, is there any sort of a any sort of a role to try to train them or just like? I mean, yeah, you can show them the the systems. They're not great at it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you, Jabert. These these goblins not amazing at still, anything. I understand that, but they're still rolling d20s, right? 
Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can still they can still roll that nat, natty 20. Yeah. In addition, I'm sort of using my uh, my new data jack to try to uh, interface with the computer and see if I can access some old files to learn more about the, uh, the history of uh, the ship. Right, right, yeah. So you are able to find a lot of logs from Morikun Ash. You know, it seemed like she traveled just all over um, the outer planets uh, or outer systems, um, systems outside the packed worlds for years and years. And she seemed like a, a, you know, adventuring sort. And you've got all kinds of logs of planets you've never heard of in her, uh, in her files and made a lot of trips back to packed worlds. It seemed like in between, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it was, it was out there ranging for, you know, 15 years. Uh, Any chance, died. Any chance we can tell where her last destination was? Yeah, it's not uh, not sharded. It looks like she was yeah leaving from the Pact Worlds, but from your best calculations, it was somewhere in the drift in this ether, you know, hyperspace dimension that uh, that you guys are traveling through right now. And there, right, so it, like, people it was. know that there are there is stuff in the drift, but it's it's like really not navigable by itself it's right it's, it's not exactly chartable yeah well that's the thing like it's a non-linear kind of space so sometimes the same trip can take one day and other times it can take like five days like your trip right now <laughs> right. so yeah it is kind of a little bit of a whatchamacallit um right so, so Alice in Wonderland like- adventure so it looks like wherever wherever she was going, wherever she was trying to make a jump to, she never made it there. She ended up kind of encountering everything in the drift. It, yeah, and every once in a while there is a problem entering or exiting the drift where you like just mess up reality and pull a piece of another dimension out when you exit the drift or like when you enter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it like just, a random. It happens all the time. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, the the five days to Castrovel pass pretty pretty quickly. You guys will find yourself you know pretty occupied, uh, hanging out with one another, hanging out with yourselves, reading, playing playing them holographic video games you, you hear so much about. And as you as you busy yourself in these personal projects, before you know it, Galera comes online and over the the speakers on the ship says, "Beacon ping retrieved." Preparing to exit hyperspace travel and enter packed space around Castrovel, Captain. That's you, Alindra. Oh, right, right. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> can we land? I mean, yeah, you can get to the get to the deck of the the drift rider and the you know start taking over controls. Sure. As I'm you- gonna go down. Da- I'm gonna go down into my dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> what into your turret hole? My turret hole. Okay, well, there's no need to. There's nothing nothing out there right now. I like to be proactive about these things. Okay. For the record, Alindra, a.k.a. Rebecca, um, was just thinking that um, instead of reading the star maps all this time, I should have been reading those books that we were given. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) As you exit drift space, you're met with a very large and bright blue uh, blue and green planet below you a couple thousand miles away. Castravel is a lush planet of magnificent megaflora jungles and crystalline blue oceans. The Drift Rider kind of targets a location on the horizon, and as you approach the atmosphere, you uh, get a city-state 
Starcraft authority hailing you over the ship's comms, and they say, uh, Ship designate Driftrider, uh, you have received our information. We've received your call box info. Please state your business. We are here on Starfinder Society business. And what is the expected duration of your stay? Um, unknown at the moment, we're, but we're headed to the University of Cabarat. Okay. Are you harboring any Class C life forms or foreign biological materials? Um, we do have two goblins on board with us. From from the back of the ship, you hear Bumps Fuzzle say, "I think I am Class B, but Cattywampus is certainly Classless C life form." (laughs) (laughs) And and Cattywampus says, "Yeah, but it's only because I don't have all my shots, and I'm a a little bitey." (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Otherwise, no, we're good. Yeah, they 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 say you're fine. He says, (laughs) "Uh, your flight is registered out of Absalom, and you are clear for landing at Ships in Spaceport, Terminal D7. Welcome uh, to Castrovel. Thank you very much. It's good to be home. Uh, Entering the atmosphere, massive cloud banks hug the continents below, and the Drift Rider seamlessly slips down through them, dancing amongst these clouds in a wide starboard arc towards a landmass that you know, uh, Alindra, below uh, as the the continent of the Lushunta Sana. Galera comes up and says, uh, you know, gives some information readouts and like puts all like uh, demographic and like information up on the gl- steel glass of the, the, the ship's windows. A lot of information, just all kinds of things, maps and things pop up. Galera says, Planet Castrovel. Continent, Asana. The city-state of Kabarat. Population 819,797 sentient beings. Seat of government, the Threefold House, home of the Kabarat Universities and the Kabarat Battle Yards. Information. That all sounds very complicated and unnecessary. Uh, Galera lists a whole bunch of <laughs> other useless information. It's like, main export. <laughs> uh, <laughs> things to do on a, a Thursday. <laughs> the evening downtown Caparot. Taking a show and get a meal. So uh, have great. we landed? Can we disembark? Yeah, no. So you are uh, guided into a spaceport. And as the drift rider touches down, you see a small hover vehicle parked just outside the launch pad's landing zone. Um as you guys step off of the ship, a tall, thin, lashunted male steps out of the vehicle and waves you over. And uh, gunfire immediately starts up, and he's shot to death. <laughs> oh, no, no, we met him! <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> it just one more time, it happened once again. No. <clears throat> no, so the, this lashunted waves you over, and he calls over the cooling of the Drift Riders' engines. He says, afternoon, Starfinders! The name is Waylus. Uh, I'm, I'm a fellow at the university, and I'm your guide here in Cabaret. Uh, Alindra, I'm, I'm very excited to have a surprise here waiting for you in the car. Oh, really? What is it? Uh, well, out from the other side of the vehicle steps none other than your brother, Aureus. Oh, no. Yeah. A tall, <laughs> a tall boy, this ho- boy, this should have been the holiday special. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so your brother wearing fine silks 
wavy blonde hair slicked back along with his antennae. And he says, Alindra, welcome to Castravel. And uh, comes up to embrace you. Put his forehead on yours. Okay. <laughs> sure. Alindra will, will do the same. When's the last time you, you saw your brother? It's been a while. It was before my going to Kalathu 7 with Pasilar. So it's been at least a couple of years since I saw him. There's some bad blood there. Am I remembering things incorrectly? I thought this was going to be like a, a pleasant reunion. <laughs> <laughs> no, she and her brother don't get along very well. Um, he, He's a bit more, um, she's always kind of had her head in the clouds and he mm. doesn't. He's very um, feet on the ground. So they, they clashed a little bit. Now, is Aureus your older brother? Yes. Right. Yeah, both so, of my siblings are older. Uh, regardless of whether you hook him back, he like embraces you and says, uh, <laughs> uh, Welcome, welcome back to Castravel. And now you're flying with a whole crew of colorful characters here. <laughs> uh, greetings, Starfinders. I, I heard my little sister was going to be coming back to Cabaret, and I made arrangements to have a professional car here waiting for you with your guide way loss. So yeah, he uh, uh, beckons you to the car, and he says, Inside you'll find a, a fruit and cracker spread, along with some of the finest Elvirian spirits that money can buy. I have to say, I'm, I'm surprised to have such a warm welcome from you, brother. But thank yes. you, we really appreciate it. Oh, it's no problem. It's no problem. No, I, she's I just, surprised. I'm I'm suspicious. Yeah, same same here. Alindra, uh, we, Remy and uh, and Nack pull Alindra aside just ever so briefly and say, "Sorry, this doesn't seem like uh, the type of brother you were talking about on the ship the last the last few days." Yeah, you. you I mean, sure I, about I think this? he's harmless. Yeah, I think he's harmless. It's it's just he and I haven't always gotten along. He's he's always kind of teased me. I was a lot younger than he was, and we didn't always see eye to eye. But it's no big deal. I'm I'm sure he's fine. Well, you want us to look into this guy or uh, anything? See if he's got any ulterior motives or anything like that. No, no, no. I'm really excited to see my parents, though. So hopefully, he'll take us to my dad. Well, he All comes right. up uh, after you know he lets you guys into the car and says. I unfortunately cannot ride with you. I'm actually here at the starport myself to travel to a nearby city-state. We seem to be starships passing in the drift, it seems. <laughs> How uh, convenient. Very. Alindra, mother and father are also sad to have missed you, but they were unsure when you would return, so they could not postpone their holiday any longer. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, right. Well, thank you very much for bringing us the car anyway. Um, so yes, they they are out of town. You recall for their anniversary, right? Right. <gasps> Alindra forgot their anniversary. <laughs> this last week was their thirty cycle, everyone, and uh, unfortunately they they pushed it back, hoping you'd uh, get here. But uh, yeah, they'll they'll be gone for another day or so. Like I said, starships passing in the drift. <laughs> okay, I, but they are returning soon. Yes, they should be. Yes. Okay. Good. This, this yeah, I, don't know if I, I don't know if you've been reading the infosphere, but I've been a little bit busy, so I hope you'll forgive me for forgetting their anniversary this one time. No, my, my studies have kept me quite busy. Yeah, I'm sure they have. Regardless of how long you'll be on Castravel, perhaps they will be back in time to see you before you're off on another one of these planetary adventures. I hope you're right. Uh, it was a pleasure to meet you all. Uh, please take good care of my sister. See that she eats heartily. Safe travels, brother. He shuts the door and, and walks over to another car waiting for him. This other Lashunton, your Waylos, says, uh, So uh, if, if you're all already, how about we head into the city? 
That brother guy said something about booze. Get the booze first, and then we'll go get into the city. Edris, I wouldn't necessarily drink anything he gave us. Why? Andis is already opening a bottle for him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't trust him at all. Yeah, there's seems something a little suspicious about this. Raimi takes a seat, but he has his his, his gun drawn. Ships (laughs) passing in the night. Jeez Louise. Um, okay. <laughs> so, this is her uh, yeah, let's go to the city. Yeah, this I don't know brother, her that guys. well. It's it's never unlike brothers to to or any other yeah. poison people <laughs> to to betray I, their family. Uh, yeah. We've do a sense motive on the snack snack. Sense motive on the snacks. <laughs> snack motive. Uh, the interior of this automated vehicle is very plush, very uh, fine. It has enough seating for eight people, so you guys are comfortably relaxing here in the back. And there are chilled and slightly warm different vintages of wine. There's a charcuterie of fresh fruits, vegetables, dips, spreads, toasted fine breads, and a very rich and gamey pate. The goblins are not with you, by the way. I, I guess I should mention that now. Goblins are not getting off the ship. <laughs> I that is probably for the best. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. They're, they're, they don't want to walk around. So there's only six of you in the car. Um, this is Waylos, who is a the Starfinder contact for you guys here at the university. Hmm. Who's uh, also a Demaya Lashunta, you know, a tall, thin, kind of scholarly, bookish-looking gentleman. But uh, yeah, he, he, you know, digs in on some snacks as well. Do you guys want to... Are you guys drinking? Are you guys having some food? I'm definitely taking part, yes. Yeah, you've had ship rations for a week. Some, some fun proto-gruel and things like that. This is delicious food grown on in the <clears throat> jungles of Castrovel. I mean, it's mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Andis is going to have some. They don't want to be rude. Is it all just fruits and veggies is, and wine? Oh, no, there's wine. There's yeah. a there's a meat pate as well. It is pate. Very, oh. very gamey. <laughs> is Edris just going to like take a spoon and go to town on the pate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Edris just takes the pate, like not not like a portion, <laughs> the pate, <laughs> just like eating from it with his claws. It's shaped not, like a little animal as well. And he kind of sniffs the wine. He kind of sniffs the wine, but he doesn't drink it. Mm. Wine's weird. Teetotaling lizard. So after uh, a little while, uh, Waylos speaks up and says, so I, I have uh, worked as an information specialist with the data files before. I, I'm a representative for the school of uh, Xenoarchaeology. Uh, I'm doing my research in ancient alien subterranean layers, and I, I was told by Chiskis that you all uncovered some interesting writings or, or something along those lines. Boy, I didn't understand a word of what he just said. Can somebody translate this, nerd? <laughs> uh, I I scooch over close to. I'm sorry. What's our friend's name? Waylos. Waylos. I scooch over to Waylos and I pull up my data pad. And start Ooh. sketching some of the uh, some of the symbols that we that we saw from memory. Ah, yes, yes. Ling- linguistics really isn't my field, uh, let alone xenolinguistics. But I-, I think I can get you an introduction to Master Muhali in the anthropology department. She's the foremost expert in the field of ancient civilizations and societies, and. Well, I'm just going to uh, set us to head to Alcimi Karai Hall, and uh, I'll try and secure you a meeting. How about that? That sounds great. And then Andis takes his, takes their data pad and then just shakes it like an Etch-A-Sketch, and then the drawing goes away. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's how data pads work. So, so he, he takes a look at you guys as, as you're snacking and, and drinking, and 
Wayloss is like, so are, are you all like soldiers or something? Or something. No, I wear this heavy armor because it's fun. Yeah, I mean, the, the spacesuits aren't that weird. I, I just want to warn you that people might not appreciate if you're openly carrying uh, guns across uh, the college campus. You know, it's somewhat frowned upon, actually. What open carry right. as Knack puts a gun into a cheek pouch? <laughs> oh, boy. That's, did you just eat a gun? <laughs> Don't forget it. Uh, anyway, just just a fair warning if, you know, you're carrying guns. It's kind of... You're not going to find many other guns around. Yeah, what that about is good advice. We should we should try to conceal our weapons to the best of our ability. That's fair. Raimi. Raimi. Raimi casts holographic image so his gun looks invisible. Okay, great. Well, I just know that Raimi just said that he took his gun out, so... Nat hands Edris a book to put around the handle of his doshko so that it looks like he's holding a book and not a doshko. Yes, yes, the five foot doshko will hide easily behind the book. You can you can break down your doshko if you want. I mean, no, I'll just leave him in the car because my sash is a doshko. So if I need to, I can just unveil the sash. So I'll leave I'll leave the gun behind. Kill them with fashion. Yeah, I'll I'll leave the gun behind and the. Flame Doshko. Well, are we going to be able to get it out of this car if we... Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. this car is not planning on just driving back. It's not like I an mean, Uber. The last time, last time we got a ride somewhere, you know. <laughs> it, it didn't automatically pilot back to the station, <laughs> thus stranding you. <laughs> right, so as you guys are driving, the forested highways outside of the spaceport gives way to you know, manufacturing facilities and residential outskirts of the city before a winding path around the Storm Shield Mountains reveals the shimmering city of Kabarat in the distance. The city, as you draw closer, you can see it's a mix of ancient construction uh, representing crushed shelled stonework of Lashuntan seascapers, hundreds if not thousands of years old in places, as well as modern tall glass and steel megastructures in the city's downtown sector. As you drive through, you pass by an ancient stone square with very odd architecture, a massive ovoid arch over 20 feet tall. This is an elf gate, also known as the Iduara, one of the ancient elven relics yeah. left behind. Yeah, aren't these, aren't like a few of these scattered around the planet that they like connect to other places? Yeah, they are, you know, for travel between certain cities and many of them are still operational to this day. Driving into the downtown section, you, you know, pass like a merchant district and towards the north, Kabarat University, you find uh, several campuses. And the, the one you're heading to, Xenoanthropology, it's got a number of tall buildings. There's a few smaller buildings separated by these lush gardens and pathways. And you pull up to a eight-story tall building. And uh, Waylos, you know, opens the door and holds it out. And he says, uh, welcome to the University of Kabarat. This looks very fancy compared to the universities on the Vescarium. Pretty, though. Very what are... What are what are they like, Tyler? Oh, uh, they're very rigid in uniform. Very, a uh, lot of gray and black and uh, more more weapons. Actually, there are a lot more weapons. Is it nothing but like Cold War Russia architecture? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, uh, well, no, it's just like a lot of tactical tables, a lot of uh, people, <laughs> people running. Yeah, you know, like, um, kind of like the hack in the ship, except for it replays uh, old battles and things like that that people can study. Fun. Right, so this this is some place that Alindra, you're pretty familiar with, you know. There, yeah, are I was going to say Alindra's going to step of out of the ship. Campuses, 
Yeah, so Elendra's gonna step out of the car and immediately just take a deep breath, sigh. I mean, this feels like home. She's she's got a lot of very fond memory memories on the campuses of of the university. So sure, sure, and yeah, this is a definitely a, a smell that you smell before the blossoms of the university rose. Something that you've not had for a number of years, but uh, can get it back in your lungs now. You feel definitely at home, mm-hmm. uh, even though that you might not have studied here in this university. Is you know anthropology. It is a very similar campus to ones you've been on before. Right. Uh, right. So as you open the doors to the, the the lobby here, you notice that there is some kind of ruckus going on inside. And as you open up, you hear uh, many people shouting, and there are dozens of people uh, that look like reporters with small drone and robotic cameras speaking Quick, very guns li- out. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shoot the media. Start uh, shooting them now. They're all in a huddled circle around a, you know, yelling very loudly at a single uh, university staff member behind a large desk. Okay. So Alindra is going to turn to Waylos and, and ask, so who, who are they all yelling at? What's going on? Waylos is like, Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. This isn't my building. I, I'm, I'm over in Xenoarchaeology. I don't know. See if you can figure out what's what's happening here. Um, Alindra's going to just walk right up and, and ask a reporter kind of on the outskirts. Hold, hold tight, Alindra. Let's, let's, let's see if we can figure out, see what's, what's, what's going on. See, I got big ears. What can, what can, what can I hear? Uh, I mean, it is a rabble. It is a, uh, just dozens of people talking, asking questions about, you know, speaking with people in the university. Rebecca, you are able to pull a reporter aside, a young Lashunta woman, who says, uh, Oh, haven't you heard? One of the big brains upstairs gave a real firecracker of a lecture. Got the whole city up in arms. A lecture about what? Oh, it, it was Dr. Alabian's 21-2. Uh, he spoke yesterday of something regarding the Formian castrovellian Concordance. So, you know, we're here to cover the political fallout. See what the university's response to the scandal is going to be. What exactly is the scandal? She has a like, you know, gets like a calm phone call and, and pulls away. And it's like, sorry, can't talk. They seem very busy here in the lobby. The gentleman behind the desk, a very frazzled, shorter male, Lashunta. Uh, there's a placard there that says a Kimsey. And uh, he's trying to talk to several of the members of the press at the same time. He's like, oh, if you'd all just please leave. I'm, I'm not allowed to let anyone from the News Corp up at this time. I'm sorry, but the university has no comment. Wait, hold on. Back up. What was the lecture about? I'm confused. Uh, I mean, it, it's some kind of lecture that uh, seems to have you know political um, import. Uh, okay, but I'm not supposed to understand what the political import is, right? Why don't you make a... I forget how to play this game. Culture? Culture, culture. check. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> culture isn't my strongest, but. Yeah, you got, you got no clue. <clears throat> Can I make one? Mm, were you were you listening to uh, to Linda's conversation? I got, I got big ears, man. I hear a lot of things. That's not how that's not how <laughs> so key ears work. But go ahead and give me <laughs> give me a roll. Uh, yeah, so you're <laughs> you're pretty sure it has something to do with yeah Castrovellian politics. Uh, you heard Formian in there, which is one of like three main races on Castrovel, uh, the Formian Castrovelian concordance. I mean, you're not exactly sure what the speech was about, but it doesn't seem like any of these people <laughs> were here for it. They're just covering some kind of controversy. Well, we'll have to find out more about that later. Yeah. So in the meantime, can we go and find the, um, what's her name? 
Mahu, Mahu, Muhali? Master, Master Muhali. Muhali? Yeah. Well, you can you can try. It seems like the, the elevators are in lockdown. It seems like nobody is getting upstairs because there's just this rabble of reporters. What if we f- flash a badge at the uh, this cat to let him know we're not press? Yeah. Yeah, Edris can kind of shove his way up to the front. Mm-hmm. Whoever is, you know, blocking access to the elevators, just kind of uh, um, see if they'll let him pass by just being by just trying. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he he says, "I'm sorry, uh, sir, that we, I, I can't let anybody up right now. The, the university has no comment, no comment no, at not, this time." I'm not here for a comment. I'm I'm with the Starfinder Society. I'm here to talk to a uh, Mula Holly Waga. Somebody. Oh, okay, that's really good. I can't let anyone up because of uh, the ruckus here. Okay, are uh, there just, stairs? The, they are locked down as well. Oh man. Yeah. So it, it like the the main part of the lobby is is blocked off from the the general public. I I can't let anyone upstairs while while the reporters are here. You understand? I don't want to tell anybody how to play this game, but maybe a diplomacy check. Yeah, I was going to say, I have sidereal influence, which I can use for an additional 1d6 to my diplomacy check. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering if I can use that. To d- diplomacy whom? To try to get up onto the elevator. Right. So he, he says, you know, he, he you know whispers in Waylos's ear and, and Waylos says it's like, oh, he says he can't let anybody upstairs un- until these reporters clear out. Because if they see people going upstairs, they, they'll get rabid. Is there something you can, can you try and help clear out the... This uh, this gaggle of reporters. Oh yeah, I can shoot my gun. Okay, uh, no, so no, please, wait, please wait, don't shoot your gun. Don't. So again, I can use sidereal <laughs> influence to increase my diplomacy. So what I could do is make a speech to all of the reporters, um, a diplomatic speech, convincing yeah, you, them to go elsewhere. What are you gonna say? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, oh so my god, is that Edris Veradas? Go see him! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Edris, just stand outside and I'll send everyone to you. So, again, I'm using sidereal influence, so I spend one minute in meditation, and I'm on photo- photon now. So, I'm going to use my diplomacy. Go right ahead. Let's see how it goes. Ooh, not bad. That's not bad. Very nice, so, very nice. And then I get 22. a 1d6 on top of that, actually. So that's a three. Mm, yeah, 25. Even okay, with the most so, difficult DC. What are, you, yeah. what are you saying to him? So Alendra clears her throat, stands up in front of the crowd, stands up on top of the desk, and says, Whoa. you are in the wrong place. You are looking for the wrong person. You should go elsewhere to find your answers. Right. So a lot of people are like, what? Where are we supposed to go? What, what, what are you talking about? Building? There's so many buildings on this campus. And there's like, blah, 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 blah. And about half of the reporters uh, do walk out from that. Okay, great. But they're still, still like 12, just kind of, uh, you know, snapping pictures, looking around, talking on comms, being generally annoying. Uh, can I roll, roll diplomacy again and tell them to go and talk to Edris? <laughs> Incorrect, but someone else might be able to do a skill or um, do something else to to get the rest of them out. That doesn't involve shooting them. Is there like a is there like a small group that Edris can go talk to? Not like all twelve, but maybe just like four or five. Well, what do you want to say? I just kind of want to lean in and just be like, "Can you please leave?" But as intimidating as possible. Yeah, go for it. Give me give me a roll. Let me roll a quick intimidate. I only rolled a 12. 12. Let's see here. What's 18 minus five? Oh, no, that's a fail. <laughs> uh, you, you go up to a group of like Lashuntans and like one human. And what do you say? 
I mean, just can you please leave? <laughs> oh boy, so intimidating. Yeah, they're like, nah, nah, sir. We're gonna stay right here. Don't you worry about us. No. Uh, anybody? Anybody I've got, else? I've got, I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, sp- I speak up again a little bit, and uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've been informed that there is going to be a, an official statement provided by the university in Atrium C, which is. Uh, out out this door, uh, down two buildings. Uh, it's on the main floor there, and they should have security there uh, to to get you into to the announcement that they are going to make on the subject. If you will just please kindly file out in that direction, uh, they will begin that shortly. You do not want to miss this statement. Waylos backing you up pulls out two little like guide beams and like is directing people towards the front. <laughs> he like winks at you and nods. Give me a bluff check, I was like, Nack. Do I have to do a bluff check for this? Uh, oh yeah. Hey, oh, twenty-five. Geez, nice. Twenty-five. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So everyone is like, "Well, we're gonna get their person," and they, the rest of them rush out. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, Akimzi behind the desk, yeah, just like plops down in his chair and is like, "Oh boy, those guys just wouldn't quit." It is is very relieved and uh, puts a grenade back in their pocket. <laughs> that, that was way better than my idea. <laughs> oh, how'd the podcast end? Oh, everyone got thrown in prison. <laughs> Castrovelli in jail for hundred. They, they blew up a school. So, it was weird. Is it Kenzie a, a Lushinta? Yep, yeah, uh, Karasha Lushinta. Karasha, He's a, okay, a shorter um, gentleman. So, uh, Alendra's going to, uh, walk up to Akemzi and, and make sure he's okay, first of all. Um, yeah, he also- says, oh, hi, hi, well, thanks for clearing that lot out. Imagine you guys aren't with a Cabaret Gazetteer, are you? <laughs> How can no. I help you? Yeah, we're with the Starfinder Society, and, um, first of all, can you, can you tell me something about what's going on? Like, what, what's the, what's the scandal that's happening? Oh, from from what I gathered, it's this Dr. Aleby and uh, 21-2 who gave some kind of lecture the other day, and it's got all the you know, bigwigs with their shorts in a knot, and it's it's leaked out that you know he said some pretty inflammatory stuff. <laughs> I thought I didn't really catch much of it myself, but yeah, it's it's been a a, a rough rough afternoon. Goodness, well, I'm I'm sorry you've been having to deal with this. We're actually here to meet with Master Muhali. Are, are you familiar with, with her and where she might be? Well, yeah, of course. You know, she's normally not too difficult to see, but with everything going on today, I'm well, I'm going to have to do some, some sneaking into her schedule, maybe rearrange some things for you to be able to see her. She's I, pretty I definitely busy with the scandal, you know? Yeah, if, if you can fit us in at all, that would be wonderful. I, again, we're we're here with the Starfinder Society, so if, if she'll see us, that would be that would be great. Yeah, he Types some things into a data pad and says, right, well, here we are. Oh, Mr. Uh, Waylos, um, you can escort them up to the fifth floor if you'd like. Master Mahali's office is in the, the right wing, and uh, we've we've got an appointment. We got you on the book, so you can go up and talk to her. Thank you, Akemzi, and I hope your day goes much better than it has been so far. Uh, yeah, you know, he, he pops into uh, an ice-cold beverage, just kind of rests his heels and, and takes a sip. Yeah, let's let you guys in the... Turbo lift to the side, and it's a a glass elevator on the outside of the building. And as you raise up to the fifth floor, um, you see the dying light uh, of the sunset uh, just begin to fall over the western sea. The office you're taken to is is a large, clean, and orderly room. A broad desk sits before two large windows overlooking the eastern and, and northern mountains. 
A small sitting area to the to the right and an organized examination table flank the far side of the room. Upon the table, there are a number of bagged stone and clay fragments laid out in neat rows. And there's a number of small fountains uh, along the walls, trickling and giving the room an, a very outdoorsy feeling. On the door of the office here are the words Master Muhali, Chief of Xenoanthropology, written in a fine golden cursive font. Is she here? Uh, yeah, so if you knock... Uh, you can open the door. Sitting at the desk, over viewing a computer terminal with a comm unit in one hand is a tall, thin Lashinta woman with um, darker kind of olive skin, uh, pale green facial markings, and an asymmetric purple bob haircut. She eyes you warily as five of you enter, uh, kind of looks at Waylos and, and questions him and says to you all, you know, well, what is the meaning of this? Alendra again steps up and explains, we're here with the Starfinder Society. They sent us to investigate some very strange uh, alien language that we came across. And we wondered if you could help us identify what the what the origins of this language might be. Waylos jumps in and says, uh, they're, they're your next appointment, Miss Mahali. Uh, she checks her computer and then comes back and says, oh, oh my, I, I didn't even notice this was on my schedule. Well, sit down. Let's try and make this quick, if you do not mind. I've got a lot... Lot, lot going on today. Uh, she beckons you to sit down, take a load off some some water there, ice water. Mm-hmm. Do we have any pictures from what we found? Like any screenshots or anything to to share? <sighs> yeah, you can have yeah on your data pads and, and things like that. Okay, so I I'd like to share those with her, but I'd also like to show her my tattoo and ask if it rings any bells. So, you know, well, she first says, you know, just, just uh, what is what is it you're you're here to, to ask about? Um, so we were anybody else want to say? <laughs> I mean, Edris I, like I just said <laughs> knows none of this stuff. So the last time Knack was in a university on Castrovel, things didn't exactly go to plan. So he's going to stay I'm, a little silent. It was, it was a real animal house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would, uh, I mean, you, you could definitely tell her about our, or you could TLDR, our adventure. You could talk about this guy's um, crazy theories on the writing that we found about his, you know, and he's like the only connection and hope to maybe dice. I mean, you could pretty, basically tell her our mission, right? You yeah. Are, you are. So, so just to clarify, the alien language that we found was what was on the computer on the drift rock, right? Correct. Like right. in the caves. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what, what do you want to say to her? Okay. So I, I'll um, explain that um, we, while we were on a mission for the Starfinder Society, um, we were investigating a, the drift rock. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, it's uh, uh, this drift rock that was out there with the Acreon and all that stuff. You've probably read all about it, I'm sure. But anyway, so <laughs> while we were there, we we came across this, this seemingly famous, no ancient- deal. We're, we're kind of a big deal, you know. It's so fine. It's fine. Um, we we came across this seemingly ancient, possibly magical in some way. Anyway, it was it was a computer that had this very strange alien language on it, and that was made up of of pictograms. It was like hieroglyphics, and um, we didn't know what the origin of this language might be. And when we got back to Starfinder HQ in Absalom Station, apparently they don't even know what the origin of this of this language might be. So we were sent on a mission, another mission, to um, try to investigate that and, and find out where this came from, what what this language actually is, what these pictograms mean. I assume to, to give us some understanding of what was in that drift rock that we were investigating. 
I mean, her eyes roll in her head like five times when you're giving that spiel to her. <laughs> and towards the end of it, she says, well, I mean, if if you are all not in a hurry, you can wait until this current political maelstrom blows over. But until this matter is concluded, I just cannot devote university resources to other matters. I, I apologize. All right, I understand. So. It, can you give us some understanding of what I, what is actually going on? I understand that there was a lecture that was controversial for some reason, but it's been a while since I've been on Castrovel. Can you can you give us some understanding oh. of of the turmoil here? Yes. Well, understanding is what is lacking. Certainly, uh, a colleague of mine, Al Ibian twenty one two, gave an ill advised and well downright incendiary lecture on an ancient war text over a millennia old. In his interpretation, the cultural fallout from this historic discussion is being called a, a form of rationalization for genocide of the Formian race. Brutal talk such as this would have been dismissed out of hand even before the city-states signed the peace accords. But this form of pure logic Alabians is is outing is, is going to possibly foment hate crimes here on Castrovel. <laughs> So it is a very precarious intellectual situation we find ourselves in. And this is not the sort of thinking this university prides itself upon. And as such, he has been placed on academic leave until we can sort this mess out. Where can we find this Orson Scott card? <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, give him that, give that sci-fi burn. Singing! <laughs> Uh, yeah, it seems like... But seriously, uh, seriously, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> she is very much uh, embroiled in, in this problem. And she says, well, he has been holed up in his office ever since he gave the, as I said, very inflammatory lecture. And uh, I have revoked his archival access and put him on probation. Is his office in this building? Oh, why, yes. What's the What was the Formian's response? They... Perhaps have not caught wind of it yet, but this kind of thing, if, as I said, it is allowed to foment, can cause problems. Oh, obviously, yeah. It wasn't too long ago that the Formian Castrovellian Concordance was signed, and before it was, writing such as this would be considered in very poor taste. Well, sure, but what, what would cause the situation to kind of dissipate? Like what? 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 What could we do to help alleviate the situation? What? Who are you again? Answer the question. <laughs> what, what? 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 You're you're Starfinders, is that correct? Yeah. But I don't know what you can do. You don't work here in the university. There's a lot of very fine political machinations behind the scenes. I I I think, as I said, it's best that you just come back in a week or two. All right, let's go find this other cat in his office. We'll see what he actually said. We'll try to figure out why it was so inflammatory, and then we will handle it. Well, she lets out a very big sigh and says, no, please don't. She begins to rub uh, the temples where her antennae touch her head, and she says, there's no telling you no, is there? Uh, no, not really. Uh, okay, if you can help us tidy the scandal with Alabians and smooth things over, then after that I will give you my undivided attention. But Alabians twenty one two is not listening to me. I cannot fire him because he hasn't broken that many protocols, and doing so would embroil the university in an even deeper legal battle. But if you can convince him to issue an apology, well, that might start the process of healing campus. Convince him of that, and I can handle the rest. Yeah, I know how. I know how tenure goes. 
<laughs> Do you? I mean, I'm aware of it. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. I gotta wait, get, let me let me do a quick culture check here. Yeah, I know about yeah. it. Yeah, fifteen. <laughs> yeah, you know what a tenure is. <laughs> uh, right. So so Waylos gets up and is like, "Is a uh, is Alabian's office down downstairs?" He he can direct you that way if you guys want to go there. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Heading down two floors, you are led to an now a very untidy office in the corner of the the third floor. Dust, debris, loose papers, and scrolls cover. There are no chairs, just a single large desk covered in computers, books, statues, stone tokens, and a very large contemplative, a floating brain creature wearing a a small jacket with patches on the elbows and carrying a small pipe, hovers in the middle of the room and is mainly unaware of your presence until Waylos introduces you. uh, Patrick, Patrick, wait. Where does this brain smoke the pipe from? That's a great question. Okay. All all these (laughs) questions and more will be answered. Okay, cool. (laughs) Next time on Cosmic Um, Ray. Waylos introduces you and uh, Alibian212 says, Hmm, hello, Starfinders. What is your query? Please make it fast. I have several other things on my mind at the moment. <laughs> I hate contemplatives. <laughs> like this hat. <laughs> Alibians. 21 to Why? Why doesn't anyone that got a, got a culture? Why don't you go ahead and run me a culture check? And we're just going to go ahead. That's an 18 on the uh, for Knack. And we're just going to go ahead and add four to that for 18 22. For, 18 for Remy as well. Nice. So both Remy and Knack, uh, you guys both know a little bit about contemplatives, having maybe dealt with them before, is they often take a new name, like when they become adults. And you both know that this one, for, for this contemplative, it seems to be a like a, based on a, a quote uh, from a book, and it's from an anti-conventionalist scholar, Alibians, that was published in the 21st year and... It contains a line that says, When the past is unknown, we must make a tradition of challenging so-called tradition. And you, you are guaranteed, uh, you know, that's where this contemplative got his name from. Elibians, 21 to you. Well, that's cool. Right, so what do you guys want to say to this this uh, gentleman? Uh, so we heard you uh, you made a statement the other day, but I'll be honest, we were all off planet, uh, riding through through drift space. Uh, what 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 did you say? The people in the city found my lecture offensive to their frame of reference because it challenges their puny way of thinking. I looked at ancient Lashuntan wartime strategy against their Formian neighbors to the south, and my conclusion was that the Lashuntan's rules of law and civil actions ultimately more destructive than those treaties for peace with their enemies. Huh? Huh? Oh... In layman's terms, the Lashuntans should have eradicated the Formians centuries ago, while their race was still capable of such actions. The audience found my unsettling. Oh, well, obviously. Yeah. yeah, see, you kinda called for a destruction of a native population of a planet. That's kind of a big deal, buddy. Come on. Yes, well, a millennia ago, I'm not saying now. Well, they, they may not have, you know, in, in cases like these, it's a little, uh, um, 
It's all about how you frame things. It's and it's sensitive, even if it was a millennia ago. It, it, that that still carries weight for people who still hang on to 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 those kinds of uh, wounds to 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 the Formian Lashentan relations. You know what I mean? You do not have the scholarly background on the matter to even begin to challenge me on this subject. I had crafted this lecture for several months. Research the topic for years. Please don't insult me. To what end? It sounds like you're just trying to be contrarian and stir up controversy and then add to the academic palette here. Because all, all your findings are doing are upsetting people. It's not actually adding anything to anyone's enlightenment. Well, it sounds no, like no, it's no, purely no, no. selfish. A party with a vast lecturing about wartime ethics would be rich entertainment indeed if I did not die of irony. So Alanda's going yet? to chime in. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that I disagree. Oh, with why? The contemplative. So, I mean, it sounds like logically what you're saying is that they should have, because their rules of war were were so much stronger than the than the um, agreements that they they came upon or whatever. Logically, they should have gotten rid of the Formians. Correct. Yes, logically, it was the decision they should have made back then. Back then. But you're not suggesting, are you, that the Formians should be eradicated. I mean, it's not that they that they should be, but rather that they could have been, right? I, I, I play no politics in the modern era. All I have done is studied the anthropological history of this planet. Well, and even then, it's it's more a, a um, definition of could versus should, right? So the Lushintons could have eradicated them then, but should they have? Is are you suggesting that they should have? That that I mean, it sounds like maybe that is what indeed you're yes. Well, it would have probably solved about thirty wars in the intervening one thousand years and caused millions not to be killed in those times. And from a purely logical point of view, that would have been much more advisable than the treaties for peace that were signed and broken over the millennia. And, so, and, and, and what is the benefit of this of this speculative history? This is not speculative. This is You're a, speculating. This is a look back at the the policies of the day, looking at how they made their decisions. And that is a look at the people themselves, the Lashuntans. And I know the Lashuntans better than many do themselves. Well, but clearly what? you don't, because the Lashuntans are some of the largest number of people that are mad about your speech. Well, just because somebody's emotionally angry at you doesn't mean you're right. Hmm. I feel we have more to talk about this. Would you care to go get a drink with me? Not really. Uh, do you know any way out of this building without being mobbed? Uh, there's a cafeteria downstairs. Oh. Oh. I'm pretty... Okay. All right. I'm all right after you. And he closes the door. Should have seen that coming. Is the door locked? It is not. We're going right back in. I just kick it back open. Oh, great. It's you guys again. You need to apologize. I'll say what now? What, what? Intimidate him. I'm just saying he's a he's he's a he's a he's just a, a living brain. I have a venom spur. I mean, so so guys, I, I think that we need to deal logically with this person. Appeals to emotion, I don't think, are going to be particularly useful. Apologize? 
but I am the one who is deserving of an apology. Master Muhali has me on probation. I was on a tenure track at Kabarat University. This a position that an outsider like me, it takes twice as long than the Castrovillian born would. This probation is a massive stain on my record. It will be challenging to engage in advancement and receiving scholarly acknowledgments with this hanging over my head. Sir, you seem like an intelligent being. I'm all brain. I can tell. And that's very impressive. Um, so, surely you must understand, you must comprehend the implications of saying such things on the population of Castrovel when the ink is barely dry on the peace agreements, the effects that this will have on the on the rest of society, many of whom still harbor great grievance against the Formians. Yes, but I will put this to you. This stifling of intellectual discovery and free speech is a greater blight on this establishment and the city than anything I said in my lecture. But is, is it not true that free speech only protects you from political ramifications, but it doesn't protect you from people not liking what you said? That is not what is happening here at the university. I have been censured and put on probation for using my brain and speaking out. Well, it seems to me that the university is a private institution, which is, uh, can conduct itself to its own set of rules and regulations how it wants to, so they are within their rights to... Do whatever they want with what you say. They are. And discourse. Yeah, there you go. Die in in the meantime. I can see myself offering an apology, but you must get uh, Master Muhali to agree to erase this insult from my record. Uh, then I can proceed forward. Fine. I'm going to need you to make the apology first. That will not happen. Get her to agree. And also, I would like my archive status back. And, and get this probation lifted. One, one step at a time. One step at a time. I still say it'd be easier if I shot him. I'm inclined to agree with you. No, we're not shooting him. We aren't. I will. Yeah, I've been getting sick of your character anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, let, well, we'll, we will go talk to, to Mahali about this. Yeah, this seems like this seems like a reasonable arrangement. If we can secure an apology, there's no reason why this brain's status should not be reinstated. Is there any way that you can draft an apology? Like, what exactly would you say as part of this apology? I'll tell you what. If this can be lifted from my record and my status given back as on the tenured track, I will even let Uhali draft whatever she would like me to say. All right. I think we need to go and talk to, to her. Yeah, this is all with the proviso that he tries, that he that he that he meet that he acts like he means it. <laughs> he doesn't say it in like the the really sing songy. Oh, I'm voice. so sorry. I'm so that he sorry. rolls a really good bluff check. Like either one is okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys have a smaller brain than me. <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't understand. I'm sorry if I offended anyone. This guy is a, such a Glendak. I hate this guy. <laughs> oh, what's that? Uh, what's that, Drew? He's a Glendag. <laughs> a Glendag? Is that is that something you're trying to catch on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh man, what a Glendag this guy! <laughs> Wayloss says that as you guys exit. Man, man, that guy's a Glendag. <laughs> it's a Castrovel insane. <laughs>
Yeah, so back on right. the fifth floor. Well, really, really quick, like, yeah. after we all leave the office, I think Edris is... Edris would just say, uh, I'm going to stay here outside the office, outside his office, and make sure that, uh, you know, he doesn't leave or nobody tries to get in. So I'll be, meet you guys back here after you talk to Moali. <laughs> are, are you making your fully faceted character, Tyler, uh, into a doorstop? <laughs> yep. <laughs> we, we come back upstairs 15 minutes later and we find a doshko sized dent in the brain of this guy no <laughs> no i mean my thought is like uh this guy just said some really terrible stuff and there are a lot of people who may think that a dead guy is better than a guy who says terrible stuff so 10 uh, scholarly assassins yes yes with scholarly rulers assassins. and protractors come through the hall. <laughs> but like, yeah. i mean you know i just uh want to make sure that we don't. He's still around to issue the apology. All right, that's fine. Back at Mahali's office. You're back soon. Did he agree to the public apology? Yeah, I'll He did, and he even offered to let you write the apology if you would wish, but on oh. one condition, Nack. Oh, okay. You've got to give him all his privileges back. Put him back on the tenure track, give him his archive privileges back, and scrub the, uh, the probation from his record. Damn, that man is infuriating. He still thinks that he is in the right here. Yeah, he does. Well, that, that's just... I i can suspend his academic probation and maybe grant him archival access, but I cannot in good conscience let this go unremarked in his master status. The review board will have to hear about his behavior. Well, l- let's just say it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. All that matters to us is what happens today. You scrub it today, he's going to stick his... Well, he doesn't have feet into his mouth he's got like little baby feet he's gonna stick his little baby feet in his <laughs> in his does he have a mouth i don't i can't remember in the little <laughs> fold where he sticks his pipe yeah he's 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 gonna he's gonna stick one of his appendages into one of something else. his orifices, one of his orifices <laughs> before too long and you can drum him out at that point but right now, we have a mission that we need to take care of, and this is the only way we're going to do it. Oh, Maybe? this is my favorite part of how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> diplomacy uh, well, check. <laughs> anyone that's got a diplomacy check, you go ahead and make it. Uh, well, who, who wants to make the diplomacy check? If anybody wants to aid, you can. Uh, oh, I will, sorry, I already ran. I will okay. aid Alindra with, with her diplomacy check, because she rolled a 25. Uh, you, you know, break her down chatting chatting her up and she's like fine fine tell him so long as i I write the apology and he makes it we'll pretend as as if this never happened and that's that should be the end of it thank thank you so much for your diligent work here oh and she opens up a desk drawer and uh says that this was attached to a grant that fell through but for your troubles i imagine this might serve you well in your endeavors and she hands you a, a small envelope and inside is a mark one ring of resistance all right. Nice. Boo. That's a magical item. Does anybody have a desire for it immediately? I thought about buying one, actually. So, yeah. Mark one. I, I would like did. one. So that means I'll take it. I did a lot of the talking here, so. Uh... What? Alindra's been talking mostly. <laughs> Sounds like we got a roll off. Let's see those numbers. Uh, boys roll read versus knee. All right, to be fair, with all of the failed saves that I have had, I really need a ring of resistance. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you are more in danger <laughs> for stuff like that than I am, so. Right. 
So or famous last words, but <laughs> uh, all right. So you take that. Uh, you head back down to the third floor, and Alabians twenty one two. After you explain the situation, says I cannot thank you enough for helping clear this matter up. I I shall make that apology forthwith. Uh, here I have on me the credits I made from the lecture. I would like to give them to you as thanks. I can access some records for you as well now that I have my archival status back. Um, he hands you a cred stick and it has 700 creds on it. Excellent. Woo! Oh, credits. <laughs> Put it away, Nack. Alibians says, uh, What was it that you were coming to the university to, to study? We were investigating a strange alien language that we discovered while investigating the drift rock. It was on a computer. It was made of pictograms, and we didn't know what it, what the origins of it might be. And the Starfinder Society didn't either. So they sent us here to investigate what the what the origins of this alien language may be. Here on my data pad, you can see some screenshots of what we found. Does um, any yeah. of this ring a bell? He looks over and says, um, linguistics, not really my for study, but I can tell you that this reads very similar to some of Halkuim Zahn's notes. Are you aware of Halkuim Zahn? Yeah, we were actually told about him by our contact at the Starfinder Society, but um, we were told that he was a somewhat dubious source. Do you have any insight on that? Oh, for sure, Zahn was a circus writing for the Mathses. His methodology severely lacking in his grasp of academic standards, tenuous at best, but the man was in love with his own adventurer's shadow. That being said, that his notes were very detailed on his expedition to the point that I believe if you were to access them, that you would be able to follow in his expedition's footsteps uh, quite well. I started here at the university many years ago and read up all of his notes at that time in my Estimation, only Dr. Solstarny has complete overview of those findings than I, though they are not the focus of my study. I have access to all these notes, although it will take me some time to gather them for you. Why don't you meet me back here in the morning? We definitely will. Thank you for your help. Glad to have you on our side. You, you're a smart guy. Uh, don't know that we can do this without you. Great. Uh, Waylos comes up and says, uh, guys, I'm, uh, I don't know if you have a place to stay in Cabarat, but, uh, there's a dormitory on the far side of campus I could set you up with. Please, please get us out of here. Uh, yeah, and he uh, sets you up. Uh, what about the professor that, uh, Big Dub Brain Guy mentioned? Where's he? Dr. Sol Starney? It's pretty late, but I mean, if you, do you want to try and track them down? No, I just was, I just wanted to, maybe just to know. Probably gonna want to go talk to him tomorrow. I was just asking where he was in the building. Oh, it's the same building. Oh, okay, that's convenient. Yep. It's. Yeah. I mean, this is an eight-story. So, um, great. So, uh, Waylos gives you some dining coupons. You know, the the mess, the the cafeteria, and you you guys are just uh staying in overnight. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Is there any chance I can stay at my parents? Um. Yeah. It's like you know on the other side of Caparot, down in like a residential district, but. You you can take the the card down there if you wanted. House party to Lindras. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to suggest we all play Kings. What does that mean? Drinking games. Yeah, it's the one where you put the the can of beer in the middle and then you spread the cards around. Uh, we call that Circle of Death. I, I'm pretty sure we've played it before <laughs> in college. <laughs> I don't uh, remember that. 
There's a reason why. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys all want to, I mean, you can go back to the ship. You can go to Alindra's parents. I think, I think Raymond might want to go back to the ship. Okay. Got some goblins. Keep you company there. Yeah. He's, he, he, he feel, I think he just feels more about the ship. There gotcha. any, is there any uh, nightlife around uh, any, any places to go and uh, steal stuff and get kicked out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. It, it's like, you know, a, a blue holiday that night. So no. <laughs> I hate this planet. <laughs> yeah, those puritanical lachentas, <laughs> and they're not drinking on fourth days. Come on, come on, Edris, let's go. <laughs> let's go see if we can find some college students to trick out of some money. <laughs> the The next day, uh, when you guys assemble back at the university, Waylos takes you to the fourth floor and and walks you past. Well, well you guys see uh, an office that reads Master E. Passalar, Meritus Chair of Xeno Archaeology. Oh. What? Yeah, he's he's got an office in this building. So I yeah, I thought he was an astrophysicist. Yeah, he's got, actually has like five degrees. So okay. he's 120. He he got bored. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so Zeno archaeology, different kind of physics degrees, uh, stellar uh, studies. Interesting. So Alendra points this out to the team and wonders aloud, um, maybe when Pasalar is out of his coma, he'll he'll be of use to us. Maybe he knows what these symbols mean. We'll, we'll have um, to see. You guys are taken to a, a long conference room and there's a, a huge table in the center and data files and original documents from uh, Haukouim Zahn's expedition are laid out here. Wailas points out that uh, uh, Alabians uh, 21 2 uh, seemed to work through the night getting everything he can ready for you. He said that some of the notes uh, were missing and maybe talk to Master Mahali about it. Uh, arrayed on the tables are, you know, different sections and there's like photographs, there's drawings, pictures, etchings, and tons of hand scribbled notes, you know, yellowed uh, notes are like 300 years old. Do you guys want to take a take some time? Look over these now. Yeah. 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 Diddly up. Diddly up. Man, why do we even need audio clips when we just have Drew? <laughs> I, I ask like myself it. that question like all it. the time. Uh, so, so we're reading through the notes. Is anything sticking out to us um, as as interesting or any clues to the path that that he took <clears throat> in in finding his information? Well, it, it looks like most of these are about his expedition into the continent of Yucalam. Uh, and they are very sensationalist. If you took a look at the book that he published during your trip, it was kind of like very much a Indiana Jones style adventure story you know, with him as the, the central figure. But you recognize, you know, things from the, the book. He, he's got like drawings of different animals that he found in the jungle, different locations. There's like a giant obelisk. All kinds of different architectural drawings and, and maps. Are we so, making I mean, copies of some of this stuff that to take with us? Yeah, you can make you know digital copies, and uh, Waylaw says he can have them sent to you your your data pads as well. Because because Brainy said that we would probably find most of our answers if we followed his pathway, right? Yeah, well, the the notes in the the university are mainly directing you towards some kind of temple where. He he did these etchings, and you, you find that towards the the end of the documents of the this alien language, the one that you're researching. So, do we do we need to follow the book? Well, I mean, I imagine we're going to need permission to go to any abandoned temples that may be on this continent. 
But otherwise, yes, I say we Andrews, follow. I thought you were a pirate. Yeah, Come who on. says we need permission? Uh, if one of our teammates wasn't from this planet, I would probably agree with you. They <laughs> can find another. If one of your teammates wasn't already wanted on this planet. <laughs> Why is the continent off limits? So many, many years ago, the three races of Castravel kind of decided that Eucalam was going to be like an untouched, unspoiled uh, wilderness. Um, there, there are three other continents that the, the races occupy, and they don't have any major settlements on Euclam. They just kind of leave it because it is, you know, like a, a, a nature refuge in, in one of these places, like the, the rainforest that they just don't want to destroy. There's all kinds of creatures and, and plants in there that are pretty amazing. You know, megaflora, megafauna. Well, good. Is there any way we're going to be able to convince any of these people to let us go legally? I mean... I feel like we should at least ask because I mean, if the if the three species, if the three main species decided that it should be a preserve, then we should. I mean, maybe we can get permission from each one. Uh, maybe there's you know some structure for us to go there. Yeah, I mean, we, if, I, I say you, you guys to... know that they they do have um, expeditions that go out there, but nothing you know, no major settlements, things like that. Yeah. So pe- yeah, people so still I... travel. You know, people travel the Amazon, but they don't set up cities there. Yeah. So I feel like we should just make sure we're not going to step on any toes, and then we can head on out there. Sure, if you want to be less adventurous about it. I say better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission, but... I, I find myself shocked, but I, I'm with Nack. <laughs> what, what, what? We've, we've aligned a lot this episode for the <laughs> We really have. <laughs> Shoot brains, ask questions later. Right, so you guys, uh, after... I mean, is, is there any particular thing that you'd like to read in his notes in uh, uh, Hakuim's notes maybe I, i'm kind of interested to see in the notes versus the first chapter of the book to see if there's anything that that would stand out as a starting point on the continent uh it seems like yeah they, they started on like a south eastern tip of of Eucalam, which is kind of like a for many people it's like the, the closest to civilization they they have like a even way back then, a base camp set up there. You know the the start of the the river in Heart of Darkness. It, it you know doing a, a quick a bit of research in the infosphere. You know that that's still true today. As far as the flora and fauna that he has drawn pictures of, are there any other descriptions? Maybe d- uh, descriptions of um, like poisons or anything that these these things can do that we might want to prepare ourselves for so if you take a look in maybe maybe reading about some of the creatures he has under wildlife uh, uh, and i'm going to read this in his voice castrofell crawls with vermin and beasts of all kinds thunder-bellied behemoths clear paths through the jungle while bellowing madly more vexing though are what we have come to call the sting bats some hellish cross of a monkey a bat and a scorpion that travel in troops and harass us regularly. I fought one off as it attacked a porter and shot another as it fled, and from then on they targeted me. It's as though they can sense strength, yet resent it. Hmm. So I'm thinking some sort of anti-venom, some sort of antidote we might want to try to grab before we go. Did anybody buy a medical pack or a medical kit? I got a medical kit, so I'll be able to do like long-term care pretty regularly. But I don't. I don't have like med patches. Um, well, it seems like we would need have... the med patch if you got the med kit. No. Yeah. I mean. I mean. It's. Yeah. It's not necessary. The only thing that the med patch does, I think, is it just does it do it instantly for the med patch? I don't remember. 
but I, I seem to I seem to remember that like if you have a high enough medical uh, medical score, the med kit is fine. So, but do they have off on this planet? No, no, it mm. messes There's up no the, repellent. the ozone. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad, bad for plants and things like that. I think it messes with the bees too. So, mm-hmm. so um, Alendra. Meanwhile, of course, we definitely need to stock up on things like that, but. Um, she remains preoccupied by this tattoo on her arm that has mysteriously appeared and scours the notes to see if there's any sign of a symbol that resembles what her tattoo looks like. You do find in some of the notes etchings of what looks like the constellations and the figures that you found on Drift Rock, um, things that are similar to your your tattoos. Um, there are no notes associated with it, No, nothing signifying where it's from exactly and and like maybe there's like a post-it note on it from alabians with like a question mark like you know unsorted it's in it's in like a pile of like but it's definitely from this expedition okay well right. well should we go talk to this professor and then as you guys are uh looking over the notes for like an hour you are called back up uh to talk with master muhali oh good Wellis brings you up she invites you into her office she is on a personal comms call when you enter and she beckons you to take a seat in her small seating area where there's a spread of jellies and nuts and a very strong Lashunton tea. You guys partake? Yes. Gross. Gross. <laughs> Make a fortitude save. You're all poisoned. Oh, no. Really? Ha ha! didn't eat it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but there's meat pate, too. Oh, you didn't <laughs> say meat pate. Well, then I'll eat the meat pate. Um, oh, no, right, the pate so guys- is turned. <laughs> Make a fortitude save. <laughs> you guys are enjoying uh, some tea. She uh, finishes up her call and says, well, I, "I just wanted to thank you again for your assistance. I took a look at this drift rock language. It is truly remarkable. It shares many trademarks of several non-elven language groups that we have found in association with known ancient elven sites on the continent of Yukalam to the west. I imagine uh, that somehow that is why you were asking about Zon's expedition." Correct? Yes, Correct. it is. Yeah. As, as you guys are eating, uh, she gets another call and has a very brief conversation. She says, well, I, I've been trying to reach our, our foremost expert on Eucalam, uh, Dr. Sostarni, all morning, and it uh, seems that she is not here. I've tried uh, to reach her associates, her home, and nothing here. And uh, she hands Alindra you her key card. Uh, perhaps you can just go down to her office, see if uh, she has left any note behind. Her guidance would be most helpful if you truly seek the hidden temples of Yucalam. All right. Great, thank you. Right. Edris takes like, the pate with him. It's not like pate. an odd question, but where does where does she live? Uh, Doctor Soul Starney. The yeah, the one who's missing. I don't know, like outside the city, maybe in the foothills of the the Storm Shield Mountains. We're headed to the office. Yeah, let's go to the office. Right. So down on the second floor. As you unlock the door to Dr. Solstarni's office, you immediately notice it is in disarray. Archival drawers, their contents strewn across the tiled floor, papers dropped in large piles, a half-packed bag on the table with travel elements and clothing strewn everywhere. It, it seems like the place has been, you know, like a tornado torn through this office. Uh, let's look for clues. Clearly, does it look like she's been taken? As you uh, step into the room, uh, yeah, you can notice there does seem some signs of struggle. Some things knocked over. A computer blinks in the the corner. Maybe some things banged up. 
As you look, though, entering the room, a voice calls out down the hall to all is a plainclothes Lashunton, and he has a pistol drawn on you, and he calls out, To be continued! I was sure it was going to be the monitor on the computer. (laughs) Bum, bum, bum! I was no, going I'm, to avoid the computer no. because it didn't. I, I never read the computer. <laughs> if uh, if I was going to surprise some people who entered uh, an apartment or an office, I'd I'd shout out to be continued because that surprised me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's surprising. Yeah, it is. Huh. It's very surprising. So, he doesn't I, say that. He's going to say something at the beginning of the next episode. Honestly, if anybody yelled at you to be continued out of context in the middle of the real world. What would your response even be? I'd be confused. I would honestly probably when? be stunned. When? when? Yeah, that would be about, well, when? When are we doing this? Next week, Tuesday, <laughs> five o'clock. <laughs> Same time. <laughs> 30 minutes from now, next week. Uh, well, no, you guys will find out in one week's time. I <laughs> uh, wish we played more than one. All righty. Well, thank you guys for playing with me. That's a wrap on episode 18. 1920. That's a wrap on episode 20. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Good Good evening. Good night. Crit bit commencing in 3, 2, 1. Crit bit initiated. Hi everyone, episode's not over yet. We've got another crit bit, a little after the episode segment where we, we talk about Starfinder, we, we talk amongst ourselves, and we talk to people out there in the world, and this week is no different. Joining me, two of my g- good friends on the show, and uh, people I talk to very often, <laughs> Drew and Miles. Hey, Miles and Drew. How's it going? Hey, man. Hey, you're here right now. Hey, welcome. What an episode, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that episode with <laughs> That thing that me. happened was, was, was pretty surreal. Man. Oh, boy. And can you believe uh, what Edris said? Yeah, what a what a crazy guy that that Edros for honest. But uh, in addition to that, we have uh, a guest this week, a special guest, Dan Peck. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Dan is a professional writer and a non professional game master. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, I'll gladly accept money to be a game master, but yeah, for now it's mostly <laughs> mostly amateur. I'm still amateur too, technically. I'm, I'm still waiting for my break. Well, uh, no, but everyone knows there's big money in podcasting, so it's going to happen one of these days, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> People that go into podcasting like, oh, this is it. This is going to be my ticket. I feel so bad for them. <laughs> it's a labor of love, and if you don't love to do what you do as you know your hobby, then you should not do it. Six years I've been doing a show. Six years, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you got you got to love what you do, and the, the thing that makes I think Cosmic Crit worth it for me is I get to talk to my friends even more than I normally do and get to also talk to new people like the game developers and Dan. <laughs> the game developers and Dan. And if Dan. ever there was a summation <laughs> of crit bit, that's what it is. Game developers and Dan. That sounds well, like that sounds like the season two uh, Gilligan's Island theme song where they, find, they changed <laughs> and the rest to and Dan. <laughs> Dan is here. 
think he put a coconut to his ear. Uh, so, Dan, welcome to our Crip Bit. Uh, we had you on n- not only because you're a professional writer, you're a, a writer's assistant on Family Guy. That's right. But also because you are a non-professional GM that's homebrewing your, your own adventure, your own game. That is also true. <laughs> Both of those things are very interesting to me, so I wanted to get you on it and chat about chat about both. Chat about Starfinder, how you're finding it. Uh, can we can we just start with where where do you get your start in gaming? Like, tell us uh, tell us your as our friends over at the Drift Podcast would say your nerd origin story. Well, my nerd origin story is basically as old as I am. Um, <laughs> my you were born. I was born of a nerd. Thereafter, the Nintendo Entertainment System was released, and my dad actually brought me to a mall preview release of it. What? Not because he cared about Nintendo, but because Mookie Wilson of the New York Mets was going to be there. And so I was, <laughs> I was three years old or two and a half, and dressed. He dressed me in head to toe Mets gear because I'm originally from the East Coast, and uh, he put me on his shoulders so I could see. And they said, "Let's get one lucky kid up here to play <gasps> Nintendo baseball against Mookie Wilson." And so. Mookie sees this little red-haired kid in Mets gear, and he's like, let's get him up here. So Mookie Wilson uh, is to blame for my becoming a nerd and getting into gaming. You'd think that that would have meant that I became a professional baseball player. Nope. No. (laughs) I don't know. I think what Mookie Wilson was doing was he was like, all right, let's get the youngest kid I can see that can stand on their own, because I could probably still beat that kid. (laughs) There are actually pictures of him like hamming it up for the crowd, reaching over to my controller to quote unquote mess with my playing. But really, my dad is standing behind me doing the whole thing. But it was it was cute. And uh, yeah. And then just, you know, growing up, I was always like a big sci fi and fantasy fan. You know, I, I was huge and still am obviously into Star Wars. And I remember playing the Star Wars collectible card game when that came out. Uh, I mm-hmm. I uh, never fully got into magic because I think it was just a little too complicated for me, which makes me sound <laughs> kind of dumb, but whatever. No, no uh, it's pretty, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> uh, they make got new into, rules every year. I got into Yu-Gi-Oh when I was way too old to get into Yu-Gi-Oh. I was in college, <laughs> but that led to my very first professional paid writing gig i was writing for a Yu-Gi-Oh website and they published a book and i was paid like next to nothing for one of my articles (laughs) still (laughs) and then ever since then it's just i hit the ground running but um i didn't play any tabletop rpgs for the first time until about a year and a half ago it was always kind of like that one step too nerdy that i Mm -hmm. dare not cross but everyone i knew said to me whenever i would tell them that they didn't believe me because not only was i a lifelong nerd but i was a theater kid in yeah, uh, well. <laughs> like starting around sixth grade all the way through college and everyone's like it's literally a perfect combination of who you are it's acting and imagination and then i finally took yeah. the plunge and what a mistake that was because <laughs> yeah. i used to have money and free time and now not so much <laughs> uh yeah the, the free time more than anything who boy if you're gming um, but it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, drew often chides me that we uh we we lived together in college we were i mean we hung out with one another like almost every day (laughs) and we were both in the theater and we were theater majors never never played any dungeons and dragons in college we had so much free time we started in january how did you free time in college that's just i don't understand (laughs) Uh, i don't know but we we played a lot of video games around okay well that's yeah I, mean, I, I got really good at Smash Brothers in college, so I understand. 
Oh, boy. Yeah, so what about Starfinder? Uh, you've been playing tabletop games for a year, but you've moved from from Dungeons & Dragons, I, I'm guessing, or Pathfinder over to Starfinder uh, yeah. this year. Uh, when, when did you first hear about the, the game? Well, I uh, a couple of years ago, I made a big plunge in, back into board gaming. It started with mm-hmm. the Battlestar Galactica game, and I kind of got my group of friends more into tabletop gaming in that regard. And then I had gotten the Pathfinder Adventure card game a couple of years ago, mm. and I absolutely fell in love with it because I liked that it was a role-playing game, but the cards kind of did a lot of the heavy lifting for you in terms of stats and gear and stuff like that. Right. So I the, was... Uh, the Pathfinder Adventure card game made by our, our good friend Mike Selinker. Well, yeah. pass along awesome. my congratulations because that is... One of our really favorite funny. game developers, yes. Uh, so that is what got me into the Pathfinder world. So I then started playing D&D, mm-hmm. and that's when Starfinder was announced. So the very first announcement for it was, well, it's Pathfinder, but it's in space. And <laughs> my first thought went to, I want to play a magic android. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be a thing an android. Do. Yep. And so I followed every news article release there was oh, yeah. a google doc. blog <laughs> yeah there was a google doc that some hero put together oh that yeah they were constantly updating so <laughs> i that's was, a uh, a shout out to another super fan archmage varial on the paizo message boards that got me through you, archmage what may through august, august. i guess <laughs> If you guys were following the game like uh, Dan and I, reading that almost every day, <laughs> yeah. all the, the information. Yeah, and then just it came to be that since I was the one tracking most of the information, I reached out to friends and said, hey, I'm terrified, but I might run a game. Who would be forgiving enough to want to play with me? And right away, I had five people who were more than happy to uh, be my hapless victims. So... I basically wanted to hit the ground running as soon as the book came out. So over the summer, I started piecing together story ideas for a campaign that we could basically start playing as soon as at least one of us had finished reading the core rule book. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we actually started playing, I think, before the game technically released at Gen Con because the PDFs had gone out the week before. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I got it, uh, I think on a Friday, all I did that weekend was read and write. <laughs> and we, we played uh, the Monday before Gen Con, uh, that, that uh, first episode, I think, which was, you know, very story uh, driven and in game light. So uh, just in case I didn't have the, the core rule book, I wanted to like something in place. Thankfully the PDF came out earlier than the core rule book was supposed to. And it, I got it at the tail end of my hiatus. So mm. I was off and at home. And so I was just on the couch, just tearing through this thing. Cause I knew I was going back to work shortly and that is a thick book. And I yeah, wanted it is. <laughs> a big dent. I ended up skipping a lot of the, class specific stuff like i would read the well, thing but not like so much their levels because i was like that's the player's problem i need to get cover exactly. to cover on this thing that's the thing people uh, especially dungeon and dragons players are so intimidated by a 526 page book but you have to remember half of that is basically the dungeon master's guide and the other half yeah. is the player's handbook and if you added both of those two books together you'd have over 480 pages or somewhere along those lines and there's a whole 
mess of chapters about this new game in Starfinder, which is Starship Combat, which is kind of optional. Like you can skip it if you don't want that in your your game, your campaign. You can do it story driven. But uh, we've we've played a couple of uh, Starship battles, and they're a lot of fun. It's a it's a fun little mini game. Yeah, we just in the campaign I'm running, we just had our very first space encounter, mm-hmm. and it was kind of hurried because it was late at night and we all had work the next day but <laughs> that was our first encounter as well yeah. we know that we know that feeling uh, despite well, that though uh it went well and yeah. they really enjoyed it and they're looking forward to their first proper encounter let's call it yeah can, well can we um find out a little bit more about your homebrew campaign what's what's going on in the story uh, what was the experience like writing it can you tell us a little bit um, about it well, it, um, I've had a blast writing it. Um, so my entire, let's call, professional adult life has been working in television in one degree or another. I've mm-hmm. worked in every grunt job you can imagine. So when it came time to sort of outline what I wanted to do with this campaign, um, in a weird way, I sort of did a three-act structure, sort of how half-hour television is structured. If you think mm-hmm. about how TV shows are laid out. You have the first act, commercial break, second act, commercial break, and your third act. And the first one sets the stakes, and then the second one escalates it, and the third one resolves it. And that was sort of a virtue because I was flying blind in that. I wasn't using an adventure path. I'd never written a campaign before. So I'm just going to write a story. So there was an, uh, an opening prologue that we did at the end of our character building session. And um, I, I told the players ahead of time, I would really like to do this prologue. You know, you don't even have to have your finished character sheets for it, but it's going to set the stage for what it is. And it was that the five players, uh, I, I asked them if they knew one another. It was mm-hmm. up to them. They decided no, which is always fun. <laughs> uh, they are Meet all, in a tavern. <laughs> well, that's basically it. They were all on a starship heading from a space station to Absalom. Uh, it was a fast ship, but it was a budget ship, so they were traveling sub-drift. So it cost them a little less, but it was taking them a lot longer. Right. So I asked them, where do you want to start? You've got your cabins, you've got this deck, you've got that one. And they all said, we want to start in the bar. So they started in the bar. <laughs> what a bunch of alkies. <laughs> totally. And then the ship went down. <laughs> of course it did. Yeah, basically the ship got attacked and they had to make their way from one side of the ship to the other and their escape pod could not leave until they were all on board. So they did that and uh, at the start of every turn I had them roll a d20 and I made a table where something would happen on every roll. Whether it was the gravity turning off or a small fire would break out or you (laughs) find a crew member who can open doors for you or something like that and they managed to get to their escape pod which was by design let's be honest this was basically a tutorial mission and that's when i dropped the first big twist on them and sort of my goal when i'm playing uh, when i'm running the game is that of course i want to tell stories that are familiar and comfortable and give room for the players to grow their character and try new things however i want to keep them on their toes at all times so they get to their escape pod the captain of the ship sees them off. He tells the crew member who's going to be with them that the company that owns the ship makes the captain go down with it and launches the escape pod. And he's basically forced to go down with the ship. As they're flying away, they see an Oma 
attacking the ship, but it is horribly <laughs> corrupted with tentacles and tendrils and just a dark energy to it. And one of the tentacles hits their escape pod. They activate emergency countermeasures. And then I ask the players, who has the lowest constitution score? Oh, no. I found I'm, out. Who, I'm worried out to listen to this. <laughs> I, I found out. You know, I asked the, who has the lowest constitution score. They looked at their sheets. One of the players answered. I said, great. You are the last one to wake up. And it turns mm-hmm. out that they had crash landed on a planet. Not only had they crash landed, they were four solar systems off course and two years had passed. And that's where the <laughs> session ended. Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> and then the the uh, lost title card comes up. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you guys have fun with that. So the entire Smoke first arc was them on this planet. Nice. And you're uh, almost done with the first arc? Is that what? Uh... We just finished our last session. We oh uh, they uh, they managed to break into a shipyard. They stole themselves not only a lovely new ship, but they stole themselves a prototype one-person fighter that can dock with their ship in orbit. They didn't know that that was at the shipyard. And then they also managed to evacuate a bunch of villagers who needed to get off the planet to a ship of their own. Mm-hmm. Then they broke Atmo. And they had some space combat. The villagers were safely able to get away, and they went to drift jump, and their drift engine didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> of course it didn't. And, I, and I'm thinking of Han Solo uh, escaping from Hoth. <laughs> it's not my fault! It's not my fault! <laughs> oh. Yeah, it does sound very cinematic, you know, just you describing that, that intro and outro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Which, uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the reasons I want to talk to you. Um, before we started playing Starfinder, I was playing with these five people, and we were doing a homebrew uh, campaign, which was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, though, you know, <laughs> writing week to week and, and trying to make overarching plots. Uh, it was also but- Final Fantasy themed, so there was a lot of like deep cuts that he had to come up with, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a blast, though. Yeah. And, and that's and you before had you had to edit the size of the weapons. It's like, oh god, this what this sword? How is this sword bigger than <laughs> that, the entire party? Well, and it was, sword's huge. Because it was a an adaptation that someone had made, uh, it was called uh, I think it was like FFD twenty mm-hmm. uh, for Pathfinder, some of the rules end up making your character broken sometimes. Like my character <laughs> was like really squishy at first, and then all of a sudden became like extremely overpowered. It's like a lot of Pathfinder like, classes though. I think it was what was it at one point? Uh starting at, at uh, 14, my character would crit. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's, I mean, almost that's... any light weaponed kind of duelist character in Pathfinder. I was actually talking to a, a friend whose Pathfinder character in our game just got killed. He was playing a bard, uh, Craig, if you're listening, and uh, talking <laughs> about things to make up. And, and one of them was a, a, a magus who, yeah, starting around level five or so can get crits on 15s and higher. <laughs> so it's like one in... One in four dice rolls you're going to possibly crit. But yeah, that's that's Pathfinder. Very different game. Starfinder. Uh, we've got a couple of, of main books. We've got now the, the third AP is out. About, what, five different Starfinder books. Uh, Dan, what are you most interested in, in, in kind of tracking Starfinder as it grows? We've got a, a few announcements of books, but where, where do you see the game itself going in the future? And what are you excited about? You know... It, you know, it's hard to say because um, I am reading the APs. They've been really helpful oh, for great. me 
they've been really helpful for me, especially because I this is the first game I've run. It's been a really good way for me to sort of run my campaign parallel in terms of mm-hmm. how strong the encounters should be or how many attackers or right. uh, the, the sort of traps that should be there. And that's been really great. So um, it, it's kind of hard to know what I want next. I just want more like i just <laughs> most everyone's <free>. answer <laughs> exactly i got the i got the pdf for book three the other day and already i was just oh, like yeah. i want to see the i want to see the map in the back of the next oh, ship it, it's just i i, I just want to devour it and i as much as i love my job i would just love to sit at home all day <laughs> and read all this and write out the campaign but no i, I gotta i gotta pay the bills and i love my job uh, i I, got, actually, I actually have a question um, sure. You're, I know you're GMing, but if you were to play a a character class in Starfinder, what would be the one you'd go for? So my immediate answer was going to be a technomancer because that's just a cool word. Yes. Um, and I do still <laughs> like technomancer, but between reading everything and listening to your podcast, I think I want to be a Solarian. Oh. Um, I, I I've read a lot of people are having let's call it balance issues with it, but I am a weirdly balance based person. Like I, 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 for whatever reason, just like when there's, it's not even like an obsessive compulsive thing. It's just when there's like a symmetry to things, when there's harmony between people, I like that. And there's a weird draw to the Solarian because of that. Uh, additionally, uh, I really want stellar armor. Like as, as cool as having the weapon is, I know I can get a blade that's sort of like a lightsaber, but I'm almost picturing like green lantern armor kind of like I am tanking. So um, if I were to play, that might be where I would, I might actually do a level one soldier and I would talk to my GM and say, I want to have like a bit of a cinematic moment for the first time I level up where my mm-hmm. Solarian powers manifest. And then oh, from yeah. there, I would take Solarian levels. That could be cool. Mm. Uh, yeah, technically, Soldier Solarian, that's a that's a delicious combination. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a, a level one Blitz Soldier, I think, is a lot of people's go-to. Um, everyone's just, like- just getting out of the military and discovering their powers afterwards. Well, I, I almost think of it like uh, Dragon Ball Z going Super Saiyan. It's like, you don't know that you have mm-hmm. this ability until you do. That, that That's kind of the backstory that Alindra Vallis had written up, which I'm very excited to explore. Um, I didn't steal it, I swear. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I'm, I guarantee we stole it. And, well, and if, you, if you go the Dragon Ball Z uh, route, you have to spend at least six episodes just yelling before you finally <laughs> get to become a Solarian. Well, if How I do Kai, I can do it in two. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, before we wrap up here, do you have any, any questions for us? Um, any cosmic crits questions? Yeah, uh, why don't you guys release episodes faster? I have a long commute and I need stuff to listen to. <laughs> hey, hey, every Monday you got something to get you through the the worst commute. I would say of the week. It's true. I I Monday do. Uh, I, I, when I'm getting ready Monday morning for work, I make sure that your episode is downloaded and ready to go. Because if I lose cell service, I'm going to be really bummed. Because I'm sure it'll happen <laughs> right at a critical moment. No pun intended. <laughs> no, well, no pun pun intended. We we're taking that pun. <laughs> if it were up to Patrick, we would probably play every other day. Oh boy! Once again, if we could get paid to play, well, it probably wouldn't be fun anymore because anything is your job. I think. I don't know. We could just announce the creation of a Patreon. 
<laughs> we're, we're just going to need amongst the six of us about three hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> so get to uh, get to get started. That. So uh, Dan, thanks so much for 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 joining us on this crit bit. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks again we, for having me. We'd love to talk to you again once you're further into your homebrew campaign. Get a little. Uh, update on on how your players are doing but also maybe just next time something big happens in starfinder get your get your reaction totally all right and that's going to do it for us tonight uh also drew miles thank you very much for being here thank you uh, dan where can people find you online if they want to check out what you're doing uh you can follow me on twitter at dune pook uh and you can also check out my uh, podcast, My Nerdy Year, which is on iTunes and Google Play, and uh, there hasn't been an update in a while, but on our Twitter, at My Nerdy Year, uh, we did a whole bunch of episodes, and they're really fun. And you can hear that Mookie Wilson story again. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Good. Good. Mookie story from Dune Pook. <laughs> Dune Pook. Alrighty. Uh, well, thank you, everyone. Thanks for, for sticking around and listening to us, and you guys have a great night. Thanks. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.